If you have an interest in horses and love learning more about horses, the horse industry, teaching, or even managing your own horse business, then you're in the right place. We would love you to join us on our mission, which is to improve the lives of horses around the world through the education of riders, handlers, and trainers. So get comfortable, listen in, and enjoy. Horse welfare and safety are of utmost importance where humans have any interaction with horses. Within the courses at International Horse College, we only utilise methods that promote safe and humane ways of interaction between horses and humans. We only support safe methods of educating riders, handlers and trainers about horse welfare. Internationalhorsecollege.com, registered training organisation 31352. This is another of our popular listeners' choice interviews, which we're playing over the weekend. We've chosen the most popular interviews for you to select the Listener's Choice winner. If you're not sure how the Listener's Choice competition works, have a look at horsechats.com slash choice for the rules and the leaderboard. Today's guest is Neil Pye. I'm sure you've heard the name before. Neil's got a previous episode on 151. If you'd like to go back there, find out all about Neil before you listen to this episode, that'd be good. But if you've already heard that episode and you'd like to listen to Neil and talk about 10 horse training tips to maximise your time with your horse. Now, how are you going today, Neil? Really good. Thanks, Lannis. That's good. Neil, just tell us a bit about why you chose this subject. We've got 10 horse training tips to maximise your time with your horse. Why are we maximising our time? What's it all about? Just give us a bit of an overview. All right. Well, there is 10, as you said, and but they're almost in the 10, they're in, they're in three groups. The first two are just fundamental things that are obvious to some people and not to others. So mm-hmm. I'll start off with one and two. The next four are about responsibilities that we have to uphold as part of our um, partnership responsibilities. And the last four are things that a horse has to be taught that's his responsibility. If it indeed it is a partnership and, and, and there's got to be mutual responsibilities that we I have to know about, and then more importantly, how can we go about it that, that everyone understands their role? That way, when we spend time together, if we truly look at it from the interests of both parties, that's how we can maximise it, not only for us, but also for the horse. And at the end of the day, wouldn't it be nice to think that our horse enjoys us as much as we enjoy him? Yes, yes. I think we're all looking for that, aren't we? You know, a horse that doesn't... Yeah, ultimately. Doesn't, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. We're drawn to horses for different reasons, but ultimately it's because we are, um, the strength and the nobility of a horse draws us too. And to think that we can get in harmony and be, uh, you know, without getting too flary, that's one, is the natural attraction, you know? Yeah, yeah. That's the romance. Uh, then there's some reality. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Yes. Neil, the first tip you've got, you've, you've got the importance of rapport. Would you like to talk? Actually, we've got the importance of rapport, and then the second one is the importance of respect. And if you could talk about a bit about rapport, a bit about respect, and how they vary, you know, what the different roles are. So if you can sort of have the rapport and respect and speak about both of those together, it'd be good. Yeah, and, that's it. and they are really inseparable. I know for the sake of our list, we've got them as one and two. Mm. But really, to be with horses, if all you ever do is worry about rapport and be nice to them and give them carrots and put pink and purple rugs on them every time the cloud cover changes, which sometimes we <laughs> think is part of our role of loving them, if all you ever do is with rapport, that you get into trouble with horses because they're, they're interesting animals. They can be frightened by the nature of the beast. They are 
uh, flight from fear animals. They are prey animals, which we've talked about in the past. And they're not always confident. So you always have to be doing things to build rapport to get them more confident. Now, the funny thing is, if you have nothing but rapport, and if a horse is no longer frightened or bothered, he quickly becomes a little bit uh, pushy. So it's quite a mixture. In one breath, they're scared. And the next, when they're not, they're pushing and walking all over the top of you. So that's what I mean. You've got to balance rapport, things that they like, that therefore that you do, which will have them enjoying you being around. And then secondly, you've got to do things in such a way that you don't, after building rapport, you don't lose respect. And what I mean is that, that they um, don't treat you just like a feed bag or a mobile bucket. Yep. and just walk on top of you, tread on your foot, push you around, use their head like they would with the other herd members. And it's that sort of thing because uh, for rapport and respect has to, has to coexist because in a natural situation, the way horses interact with each other, if they do that, if we allow them to do that with us, and sometimes we tend to because we don't understand, because of their size and the strength, they'll hurt if not go close to killing us. Mm. But the way they treat each other, which is natural, big, strong, thousand pound 1200 pound animals biting and kicking and doing what they do with each other and they're strong but they assume that we are similar and um, obviously we're not so you're always got to be making sure that the horse is, is enjoying your company but at the same time um, maintaining a respect level where he respects your space doesn't crowd you doesn't use you like a scratching post doesn't use you like he sometimes would with another herd member, because uh, but even in the herd member, they don't let them just push all over them. Um, because of their size and strength, they can hurt us quickly. So we've got to, to get them to like us and us to enjoy and survive our time. We've got to have certain things in place. So, you know, when you're with horses, um, you're always working on rapport and respect. Never one and then the other. You can't say, well, today I'm just going to make him like me and tomorrow we'll work on things he should do when he's around me. You've got to find that balance, yeah? Mm, mm. Okay. No, that's good. A bit like children. You can love your grandkids or you can love your kids, but if all you ever do is just say, do everything they ever want and then, then you never establish boundaries and, and uh, you know rules to live by that are fair for everyone, you know, you, you can have trouble. So yep. that's yep. rapport and that's respect. And that's an ongoing thing. It's not an early thing in the horses. All the time with your horses. A ho horse is a, a member of a herd. So mm -hmm. in a herd of two, which you are basically what you are, is when you, it's your horse, you and your horse, yep. you've got to be the senior partner. Not a dominator, but the one ultimately uh, someone has to lead. Yep, yep. Okay, now, Neil, we've talked about rapport and respect, but now we've got act like a partner, not a predator. That's number three that you've got. And this starts to take our responsibility, doesn't it? Exactly. In fact, the next four, the next one, the one you mentioned in the next three, are really the responsibilities of human. The final four will be the ones for the horse. But let's yep. talk about those. And as you said, number three is that uh, we've got to act like a partner, not a predator. What does that mean? Well, and you know, people say, what do you mean I'm a predator? I'm not a bad person, and, and, and nor does that mean that. But what's important to us as a predator species is totally different to what's important to a, a horse, which is from the prey animal species. So when we go to interact with a horse, we've got to, number one, keep that at the forefront of our mind. And some of the things that we just do naturally, without knowing it, or if you're not aware of it, straight away put horses off. Now, here we are wanting to have them like us, and here we are doing things that are natural to us that because we're predatorial and we're direct line and often we have ambition and we want this done and we want that done, and if we go straight for it, 
that sort of approach gets a prey animal um, defensive. And without meaning to, some of our actions, instead of eliciting cooperation from a horse, do the very opposite. And often we strike people that aren't aware of that. Just being themselves can sometimes put a horse at odds because if you think about it, as a prey animal and us as a their natural-born predator, we are, we are the hunter and they are the hunted. Mm-hmm. So sometimes if we're running late and we're a bit stressed and trying to jam the horse in a trailer, we know we've got to get to the show on time or we know we've got time constraints, but us rushing and pushing and, and being a bit stressed gets the horse to go into survival mode. Instead of cooperating, he'll do the opposite. Okay. So every time you're with a horse, you've got to think to yourself, well, listen, I know we want things done and I'm the senior partner, but how can I present myself in such a way that I don't bring up his self-defense? Okay, okay. If we've ever been with a horse and they lean on your bit or they pull back or they just even mild things, it's their own, in essence, it's feedback. (laughs) Yep, 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 okay. All right, now the next one you've got, and this is for riding, because we don't always want to have all our time riding, and some people are quite happy with their partnership with their horse without riding. But this one about having an independent seat, can we talk about that? Sure. In fact, it's actually independent seat when you are riding, but it's also independent feet when you're managing them on the okay, ground. Good. It actually is both. And mm. it means um, in the obvious one in the riding is this, if we really want a horse to like us, you imagine if we had to carry someone on our back, if they could stay in the middle, be athletic as they move with us. But if they flop around and they're, they're, they're not very athletic, carrying them will be heavy. So if we do indeed ride horses, there's many things we have to learn, but you can never, never not be working on having an independent seat. And what that means is, can you ride and balance on a horse without using your reins and your legs for your balance? Now, occasionally we, we can if things go awry, but I mean, if you're hanging onto your horse's mouth via a piece of metal in his mouth and the reins for your balance or gripping with your legs, it might be us, we're up there trying to save our balance, but the whole time the horse is, is feeling that and feels a victim to that. Does that make sense? So if you're not riding him, in fact, we'll do so many things to create rapport and have our horse like us. And one of the biggest things we can uh, do, sometimes being unaware, is if we ride him poorly, even if we've got them to like us on the ground, the minute we get on their back, they go, oh my God, this is hard. You know, things like not being aware of what diagonal they're on we're trotting. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. Things like that, we suddenly get in their way um, and uh, we may enjoy riding, but let's, wouldn't it be interesting to say what they think about being ridden yes. if they could talk? So to develop an independent seat, you are always got to be working on that. No matter what you discipline, whether it's uh, traditional or show jumping or dressage or cow working, anything, or even just riding in a trail, if you really care for your horse, you have to, there's a responsibility to us to be always doing something to keep us athletic and um, independent so we can travel on them without interfering too much. Okay. And then on when I say independent feet, can you uh, operate them on the ground? Can you say walk, trot, canter, go around me, go left, go right? And then when they do, you go quiet. You don't keep them pushing them all the time. You, you, you've got to be able to give a, a, a command or an instruction and they have to then understand it. So that's a, that's a process in itself. And then while they're doing it, while they're doing it, you leave them alone. You don't keep nagging. You don't keep flicking the whip at them. They know how to trot. They know how to canter. They've done that since they were two hours old. We have to be able to share a, an understood language and say trot. And then they trot. 
and we we go quiet. We independently go quiet, which is, if you understand horses, it's not good boy praise and recognition. It is to leave them alone. They care about safety, comfort, and play. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Whereas us predators care about praise and recognition. That's why traditionally we get on with dogs so much better than we do horses. Yes. Because dogs are like us. Good boy, good girl, uh, throw a ball, uh, use a bit of food, a, a dog, you leave the room, you come back in 10 minutes later, he wags his tail. We're, we're members of the predator species. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. you, have you ever seen a horse get scared by applause? Of course you have. Mm-hmm. Have you ever seen a horse get scared by a rosette put on it when it's won the first ribbon? You put it on their bride and they get terrified. Mm-hmm. So we love praise and recognition, but a prey animal, he doesn't. He, um, They don't mind it when we say good boy because our energy and our tone is nice. They like that. But the best thing you can do for a horse or any prey animal is just take the pressure off and give them peace. Yep. Yeah. So independent seat, independent feet is how can we interact, especially if we ride them and, and so we're um, easy to carry and not in their way. Okay, good, good. Stop. I need to interrupt this chat for a hot off the press notification. That is that the latest version of the book, 101 Careers in the Horse Industry, is now available and the best news is that it's a free download. So if you work in the horse industry... If you have a plan to work in the horse industry and have a career in the horse industry, or if you know someone who plans to have a career in this fabulous industry, then this is an essential book for you to read now and then keep as a reference as you progress through your career. With over 100 jobs to choose from, you'll probably find at least one that you'd happily do without being paid. So simply go to internationalhorsecollege.com, scroll down to the bottom of the page and click on the 101 careers in the horse industry button to receive your free career book imagine maybe one day you could be a guest on horse chats the next one think like a horse like you just said about it'd be interesting if we could ask their opinion you know which as far as i know no one can sort of do it as directly like having a a conversation in english from one to the other i'm sure we've got you know communication we can uh, have certain communication with them but the next one you've got is think like a horse so number five think like a horse would you like to talk about that a bit more yeah that's another responsibility of us every time we're with them how can we look at life from their point of view and uh, it comes back to that same thing how i look at the world and how, how they look at the world is differently so sometimes when we think they're being disobedient they're not disobedient they're just wary they don't see it like we do even for example the way we look our eyes are on the front of our head. We have great depth perception. We're the hunter. So we see things in a distance and we can go straight for it. They are on the on the spectrum different. They don't have eyes on the front of the head. They have eyes on the side of the head. So they can see nearly all the way around, not quite 360 degrees, but almost. Mm-hmm. Why? Because they're the hunted. So in the in the chain of survival, when there have been a, a plains-dwelling animal, they've always had to look out for predators, lions, tigers, things that would hunt them and attack the herd. So they have eyes on the side of their head. So even the way they look at the world is different to us. We have great depth perception. They don't. So if we try and push them across a, a little creek that's only two inches deep, they often snort and hesitate and carry on like it's the Grand Canyon. And we often get mad and kick them and say, come on, don't be stupid. Can't you see it's only two or three inches deep? The answer is they can't. Mm, mm. So what we have to do is rather than get frustrated or at times, um, and not everyone does this, but occasionally you can get mad at your horse. Before you condemn him, before you judge him as being 
um, disobedient or recalcitrant, look at it from his point of view, and sometimes you go, oh, no wonder he doesn't want to do this or do that. So we can't ask the horse to look at life from our point of view, but we are the senior partner. We can expect from us, just like having independence. See, the, the next one, always reconsider your not only your position and how you see it, but how does the horse perceive things, which is different to us? Yes, yes. All right. Now, we're still in our responsibility and we've done the importance one more, of reform. One more to go. Yep, yeah. yep. <laughs> so the next one is using the natural power of focus. What would you like to say about that? Well, I'll, I'll talk. It, it means anything with the horse. If you want to go somewhere with your horse, be it on the ground or especially when you ride, you have to look where you want to go. Let's just talk about riding, for example. Yep. You've got to look where you want to go. You can't be looking down at his head all the time. In essence, if you move a horse through time and space, especially if you're on its back, it's just that you've got to direct where you want to go and what pace you want to go, what direction you want to go. And if you're looking down all the time, that doesn't give him any sense of comfort. In fact, it makes it harder for him to understand. If you want to go somewhere, you've got to look there. To, to draw an analogy, imagine if you just looked at your um, dashboard in your car that you drove every time. You, you just couldn't do it. You, you couldn't just look at your dashboard and expect to get somewhere. To be safe, to understand how you fit in time and space when you're traveling on a, a roadway system in your car, you have to look up at the horizon. You have to look up and forward. That way you put yourself in perspective with your environment and your car, and you're turning, you're slowing, you're braking, you're accelerating, how much you have to turn when you corner. And it's just us moving through time and space. When we're on a horse, it's exactly the same thing. And often we don't realize that. So if you look down at your horse all the time and look at his ears, firstly, his ears won't fall off, he will not <laughs> change color. And if you're always looking down at him, wanting to second guess what he does. And the reason people do look down is often they're a bit worried about what their horse is going to do. So if they watch him, they think if they watch him, look down at him, they can second guess what he's apt to do. But unfortunately, when the more we look down, what we do is switch off our natural balance system. The minute you look up, nature kicks in for us. So even though we're not uh, an Olympic gymnast, we all have a sense of balance. Watch a toddler as it's learning to walk. It never looks down at its feet. Where does a toddler look? It looks yes. up. It looks to grandma. It looks to mum who's going, come on, darling, you can make it. And we watch them wobble and they fall and they get up. And But that's how they learn natural balance is in them. But the way to plug in, if you like, our natural balance, you have to look up and see the horizon. Then nature does kick in and, and our, our natural balance kicks in for us. So if you're riding a horse, if you look ahead to where you want to go, and then as you go, you, you go there, you, your reins, your legs will get in harmony with where your eyes direct you. If you look down all the time, you're actually causing your horse not to know where you want to go because if anything, your focus is down, you are putting weight on the forehand, you often kick them to go and say, let's go somewhere, but they're never quite sure where you want. So the natural power of focus means just that. It's not the natural subject of focus. It's not the um, discussion of focus. There really is a power. So one of the most forgotten things, especially in recent decades, is where you look will help you ride better, which comes back to that independent seat thing. It'll help direct the horse where you want to go. So your reins and your hands and your eyes and your hips and everything will be in harmony with where you want to go. And then he'll start to follow that focus and follow that feel and things will get easier. And he'll be so glad that you bother to look up. 
But often in the show ring, where do we look? Down all the time. And that's, again, a rapport breaker. We put more weight on their forehand. I don't think us humans realise how much weight our head and where we look and where we put our focus. And when you sit on a horse and look down, you put all your focus down on on his forehand. And that's often the very thing we want to move. So does that make sense from a know the natural power of focus? Mm -hmm. And I think if we go back to those four, we've got act like a partner, not a predator, have an independent seat and independent feet to think like a horse and use the natural power of focus. If you always keep them in your mind every time you go out there, you don't get a headache about it. But just mm-hmm. And they're conceptual things. I, yep. I went into a little bit of detail, but they're four major concepts. If you're always doing that, your horse will appreciate you. Yep. Now, the next four are things that you should have to teach what your horse's responsibility is. And the next one is? Uh, we've got to act like a partner and not a prey animal. Yes, just like we mm-hmm. have to think about don't act like a, a predator and it's all about you and never mind how you look at the world or what your ambitions is. Yep. We've got to teach our horse not to act like a prey animal. Well, if we're going to do that, we better establish what, what is a prey animal tendency. We don't want him to act like a prey animal. We want him to act like a partner. And the short version of that is horses have, a bit like us really, we have different sides to our brain. And if we're thinking analytical and calm and confident, we can be solution-based, we can work things out and, and things go well for us. Conversely, if we get panicky and scared, we go to the right side of our brain and we often make silly decisions. And we panic and we make things worse. It all depends on whether you're centered or whether you're a panicker. And horses are very much that way. Mother Nature has provided the prey animal not to uh, you know, take a survey or stop and think. They've taught them to react first and then think later. Run if you get scared. When in doubt, the herd was told to run. Run and and then after you've run, reconsider, have a look and see what the predator is doing. But the instinct to flee, instead of think, just panic and run, was very much is is the reason horses have survived all this time. Now that sort of activity terrifies us. Yep. If if you've got a horse that acts like a prey animal in self survival mode, things like our jacket flapping or us wobbling a bit in the saddle can cause them to act in such a way that frightens us. So before we get on, we have to teach a horse, and this is the importance of the ground school, is to use the thinking side of his brain. But most importantly, the human's got to know that when is he acting as a partner? And that means he's starting to relax. He's dropping his head. Mm -hmm. His eyes are blinking. He's licking and chewing his lips. The signs that you have to recognize in a horse when he's in the thinking side of his brain. In that vein, the horse can learn things. Now, conversely, if something happens and he twigs into the defensive side of his brain where he goes panicky, his head will go bolt upright. He looks ready to flee. His eyes won't blink. And even if he's not moving, be careful. When they're they're not blinking, they're not thinking, they can often just explode. And often you'll hear the story. Everything was all right. And all of a sudden he bucked me off. Or everything was all right. Yes, heard that many times. Yes. Many times. Well, the fact is, if you don't read horses, you don't realize mm-hmm. that everything wasn't all right. If you mm-hmm. knew what happened before what happened, you'd realize when his head went up and he stopped blinking, that's the precursor that he's now starting to act like a prey animal. So by interacting on the ground, we teach him to use the thinking solution side of his brain, or he uses the, the prey animal side, which is what Mother Nature provides, and that's the one that gets us in trouble. And if you don't intervene, some that's why some horses, even at 18 and 19, still act like youngsters. They've never learnt and the human has never trained them to use the thinking side of their brain. And it's funny, once a horse gets hooked on calmness and relaxation, 
they enjoy it. Mm-hmm. A horse doesn't like to be super flighty. A horse doesn't like to spook at every every letterbox, every rock. A horse doesn't enjoy that. But they'll stay that way unless the human intervenes to teach them how to use the thinking side, which is the partnership side, not the prey animal side. Make okay. sense? Yeah, definitely. Now, Neil, the next two you've got, and you tell me, we've got don't change gates and don't change direction. Can we put those together or would you like to talk about them separately? No, and let's, have, let's even add the third one. Yep. Because oh, to watch the where you're going. Okay, yes. Yes, they all, they're all interlinked. Number one, we've got to teach horse the horse to think. Think in a, in a good way, in a calm, solution-orientated way. Think his way through things, not panic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Think his way. If you've ever, we enjoy a trail ride when the horse is calm, relaxed, lower his head, blinking. We enjoy the ride. If the horse gets panicky and scared, that's when we get scared because mm-hmm. we can feel his heartbeat. We can feel him go. We don't enjoy that. So that's that's the same thing. Well, a way to get a horse to to stay calm and confident is to teach him some things. And one of the earliest things you have to do is teach your horse to, if you ask him to trot, it's his job to stay in the trot, you know, and, yep. and it doesn't happen straight away. But first you teach it on the ground and then you teach it on his back. So it's just like giving your horse a little job and a responsibility. And at first he won't understand that trotting is what you want or walking is what you want. But if you make this an everyday occurrence, so every time you're out with your horse, you're teaching him a basic foundation to keep him and you safe. So if you teach him that it's when I put you in trot, your job is to stay in trot. And if you do, I won't use the reins. I won't use my leg. If you stay in trot, I'll reward him and let him know that he's doing the right thing. Now, if I ask him to trot and suddenly he can't us, well, I'll say, no, that's not what I want. When I ask you to trot, I'll get in harmony with you. I'll get in that two-beat rhythm. And between us, even though we're moving, it's comfortable. And at the end of the day, that's what a horse cares about. So his reward is self-serving. If he stays at the gate, we ask, say we ask him now to canter. We want him to go into a nice canter. We don't want him to charge off. We don't want him to get slow. Can you imagine if your horse understood that, let's face it, there's only, well, there's four, four uh, there's, there's walk, trot, canter, there's gallop, and there's backup. But it wouldn't it be nice, a bit like a car in cruise control, if your horse was so prepared and you've trained him on the ground and especially on his back that when you put him in a gate, he stays there, not because you're pulling on the reins or kicking him to go, he understands his responsibility. You've trained him that, and that's what he does. How nice would that horse to be right? Which leads to the next thing. Not only maintain the gate I've asked you in, if I've pointed you north, that's your responsibility to travel at that gate in that direction. And then if he understands that if he follows north and eventually he gets left alone, he'll follow where you look. And this comes back to your natural power of focus. You look where you want to go. Your reins will say, let's go there. And when he's lined up and going in your direction, you soften your aids. You soften your reins. You soften your legs. You say to him, and this is metaphorically speaking, you say, good boy, you're heading in the right direction. You don't say that. Well, you can. But by by cessating an aid and not using the rein means he's peaceful. And that rewards him. So don't change gait. Then, by the way, if I set you up to go north, Travel north and I'll leave you alone. If I change my mind and now I want to go east, I'll turn you east. And once you understand, I'll leave you alone. And that's his job. So he's learned to stay in a gate. He's learned to travel in the direction we want. And then, by the way, it's his job to look where he's going. We set the course, but if there's a log or there's an undulation, he knows how to do that. That's his job. Whereas if we look down and look at a ditch or look at a job, often we look down and we pull on his head and distract him. But if he understands he's got to stay in a gate, 
He's got to stay traveling in the direction you set. And it's his job to um, navigate whatever the topography could be. Then your job is to just maintain his direction or look where you want to go and stay out of his way with an independent seat. So wouldn't that be nice if our horse acted calm, stayed in the gate we asked, stayed in the direction we asked, and by the way, he navigated what was ever in front of him. Yes. How nice would that oh, horse be to perfect. ride? Yep, yep. It would be perfect. So what does that mean is that's what we have to, all, before we bother with the dressage ring or the show jumping or the, anything that is a wonderful thing, we have to have a certain level of education and foundation in place. Mm. Otherwise, we'll micromanage them all the time. Yes, I think those 10 tips to maximise time with your horse, because if your horse is going well and you're going well, you're both going to enjoy the time that you've got with each other. Exactly. And sometimes, you know, let's face it, us horse folks, we're an interesting bunch. We're drawn to horses. We love the of them. We love being around them, caring for them. Wouldn't it be nice to think that a horse enjoys us as much? Yes. Wouldn't it be yes. nice? Yes. And I think if we keep in mind those 10 things, rapport, respect, the four responsibilities of the human, four responsibilities of the horse, mm. they are conceptual, Glennis, but if we keep those in mind, there's a chance we might start to get closer to that, that ideal outcome. Definitely, you know? definitely. If you're an equestrian coach or a horse riding instructor, or even if you aspire to be one, have a look at the free video series for horse riding instructors on the Horse Chats website. Go there now. Have a look. Horsechats.com. All right, Neil, if people would like to find out a bit more about these training tips, you know, we've got the um, the first two, the importance of rapport, importance of respect. Then you've got the next four that are our responsibility. Then the next four that are the horse's responsibility. How can they contact you? What's the best way? Well, really, it's, they can contact me at au. Yep. But also, just on a, on a bigger picture, that's if they want to hear it from me, but you'll hear it from anyone that's following the Pearly Natural Horsemanship Program. That's all across the world. Sure. As you know, we, we, we teach home study. We teach, uh, we have instructors all around the world. But it's basis, it's part of the curriculum. So for me, it's pearly.com.au. But any Pirelli, anyone following the program, or if you're in the Savvy Club, all that information, all the theory, as, as well as the, the practical way to apply it, is part of the Pirelli method, and, and that's what I teach on this Pat and Linda and this, this myself, where I'm the most senior of the instructors and happy to be based back in Australia now. <laughs> Wonderful. All right, Neil, thank you very much for your time today, and uh, we're looking forward to talking to you again sometime soon. All right, Glennis. Thank you. Bye now. If you've enjoyed this chat, then please comment, rate, and subscribe. If you'd like any changes or recommendations for guests, then please contact us through horsechats.com. And while you're online, have a look at the government accredited courses at internationalhorsecollege.com. Registered Training Organisation 31352. Remember that our comments and instructions are general in nature and do not take into consideration your individual horses or your individual ability and circumstances. If you enjoyed this podcast, then please leave your comment below 